feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Lovely Rita, meet a maid, nothing can come between us. When it gets dark, I tow your heart away. Standing by a parking meter. Well, later on in this show, we'll be talking about how bad shoplifting has gotten across America. The price that it has cost consumers, the price that it has cost retailers who are closing left and right. And also the case of a New York City CVS drugstore worker who has now been charged with murder. After he says he was just defending himself from a homeless guy who attacked him. Sound familiar? It is just sadly a sign of the times in many big cities across America. And we're going to talk about that later on in the hour. Meantime, also, there could be a delay in the Hunter Biden plea deal. Let's hope. Let's hope that the judge actually says, wait a minute, let's put the brakes on this. Because it looks awfully fishy. It clearly is a sweetheart deal. And there are way too many questions with the IRS whistleblowers and everybody else. So actually, I think the judge should put a halt to it, put some sort of a delay on it. And look at the credibility of the IRS whistleblowers. These are known guys. One of them is a supervisor there. They should actually investigate the claims, find out if they're true or not. Also, Get Garland, get Merrick Garland, the attorney general under oath. There's a lot of people I put under oath, but get to the bottom of it so the American public can feel good about it and they can know what is the true story with that. And speaking of true story, oh, my goodness, it is an ever changing story that is happening at the White House. It's like a scene out of Clue. It's like uh, Mr. Green in the billiard room uh, with a candlestick. You know, because first they said, okay, it happened in the library. They found cocaine in the library. Then they moved it to another location, to like a cubby. And then they said, no, it was near the Situation Room. And like every day is like a new version of the story. I mean, what is so hard to me? It makes me even more suspicious than ever. This is a place that has cameras everywhere. It's the most surveilled probably building in the world. They know darn well. Who put it there? When it happened? This is not a mystery. Why can't they figure it out? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. So in Cocaine Gate, as it is being called right now, uh, it is like a puzzle trying to figure out what should be a really basic thing. First off, it should be, okay, there shouldn't be illegal drugs at the White House, period whether it's cocaine or obviously even something more serious, a powder of some other serious nature, whatever it is, it should be okay. Whoever did it, we're going to get to the bottom of it. We are going to make sure that they're held fully accountable. They're going to be prosecuted to its fullest. It's an easy answer. But for some reason, for this White House, it seems to be very difficult. And why did they keep changing the location? That, to me, is really fishy. Because, again, they first said it was an EMS uh, call that came in. And that is actually a pretty credible call because that's someone in the White House actually notifying, hey, here's the discovery that's happened. So essentially an EMS worker got the tip off 
that there was cocaine found in the library. Now, the library is pretty close to the residence area in the White House. Surprise, surprise, right? And then they moved it to another location and said, oh, no, it was really actually this kind of cubby area, and it's where a lot of, like, tourists go. So it, it maybe it wasn't actually, you know, near the library. So what, the EMS workers got it wrong? And then, now the new one is that they moved it. They said it's at the West Wing. They said it was right near the Situation Room. And then today, Jake Sullivan with the National Security Council comes out and he said, you know what, Um, after all, uh, you know, guess what? Uh, There was construction going on, essentially, at the Situation Room. Nobody was in the Situation Room, so nothing to worry about there. No harm done. You don't have to worry about a thing. There's no issues. In other words, uh, why didn't you just say that if that was the case? I don't believe anything they're saying right now. And you know darn well, again, with all the cameras, with all the eyewitnesses, with everything else, that it would be so easy to be able to figure out when it was left, who left it. And they keep saying Corinne Jean-Pierre at the White House today during the press briefing. Uh, My goodness. She just kept deflecting left and right. And she basically said, you know what? Um, You know, the Bidens were not in town. Remember, they had left. We didn't say that it was placed there on Sunday, which is when it was discovered. That's just when we know it was found. It very well could have been left during the Bidens. It could have been left during other people. We don't know. But the bottom line is that's not an excuse. And now she is getting downright angry when people are coming to her. Because she is like, how dare you ask me this question? Uh, like it, like it's an insult to be asking the question. How dare she be lying and not telling the correct story to the American public? Granted, at first, I thought, wait a minute, there's something really wrong. Because I could tell she was like, ah, 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 ah. And who knows? Obviously, it would certainly hurt Hunter Biden. It would be a violation of this potential plea deal that we're talking about because Part of it is a diversion program, a Greg, a drug diversion program. So we can't really do drugs. He's supposed to be clean. He says he's clean. So if it turns out that the drugs are attached to him somehow, that is not a good thing. That could be the end of his super sweetheart plea deal. That's one thing. And then the other thing is, too, is obviously the PR nightmare. If it was just somebody, say it was a construction worker, because today it was like, uh, first it was a tour guide, remember? Maybe tourists coming through, right? Then it was like, well, no, it's under construction, and there's construction workers who work there. So now they're blaming on construction workers, right? Whoever it is, right? So if it is just some construction worker, why are you having a hard time saying that you think that they should be severely punished? There shouldn't be any issue if it's some stranger, especially somebody who's working at the White House and coming in and doing construction. Throw the book at them. You throw the book at anybody because it's absolutely dangerous and it's absolutely reckless and it's nothing to laugh about. They had to evacuate the White House because they didn't know what the white powder was. And again, I'm still having a hard time reconciling that what the EMS call got it wrong. You call EMS. And you say, hey, here's what's going on. Well, the EMS report is that it happened in the library. So why did they get it wrong if they got it wrong? In other words, maybe they got it right. And then the White House was like, "Uh uh-oh, we can't have it in the library because only a few people go to that library area. That's not good. Let's try to move it kind of far away 
if we can, from the first family. Let's kind of shimmy it down a little bit further down into the White House. And then they're like, okay, uh, they're not buying the tourist one. So let me see if I can throw some more darts and come up with another one. I mean, this is like Desperado 101. If it was just some Joe Blow or some uh, Johnny construction worker leaves it at the White House while he's fixing the situation room, then why is it a problem? Why is it such a mystery? It should be, gosh, we're going to have to vet our individuals a lot better, our construction crew. I want to know what kind of glue they're sniffing while they're like uh, fixing whatever they're fixing in the situation room. My goodness. So why is it so complicated? It shouldn't be. And that's why I actually think there's so much more to the story than meets the eye, because they seem to have a huge problem with telling basic facts. When was it discovered? Do you have a camera on it? Do you have fingerprints on it? What do you got? Who would have been there? What from what time frame to what time frame could it have been left? When was the last video? You know, probably takes them a half hour. Go through the cameras. Oh, good. Oh, there it is. I mean, this is not, you know, uh, Maxwell Smart. You don't have to, like, pick up your shoe and try to figure out where you're going on this one. This is a pretty darn easy one. But for some reason, they're having a hard time. And boy, is Corinne Jean-Pierre having a hard time because a reporter today at the White House briefing said, okay, let's just, you know, they keep asking, could it be Hunter Biden? Could it be Biden family? And basically, they've said they can't really rule anybody out. They can't really say anything. They kind of keep moving and bobbing and weaving. But today, she got downright, like, frustrated, which makes it even more suspicious, and she still didn't deny it. So listen to her response. Now, when, yet again, she's asked, could the cocaine be Hunter Biden or a Biden family member? Listen to this one. Sorry to bring up cocaine again, but um, there was a question yesterday during the press gaggle with um, Andrew Bates that was, I guess, he said that it had, he, did, he was avoiding it because of the Hatch Act. I'm just asking again, can we just say once and for all whether or not the cocaine belonged to the Biden family? So, <laughs> a couple of things there. Um, he mentioned the Hatch Act because the question was posed to him in the Donald in yes. using Donald Trump, and so he was trying to be very mindful. Uh, okay, I, I hear you, but you're asking me a question, so I'm answering it for you. Um, and so that's why he said the Hatch Act. So I would, I would, you know, have you read the transcript and read the transcript fully, so you can see exactly what he was trying to say. So that's number one. So we're not avoiding the question. That is not true. We've answered this question litigated this question for the last two days exhaustively. Um, you know, there has been some irresponsible reporting uh, about the family. And uh, and so I got to call that out here. And I have been very clear. I was clear uh, two days ago when talking about this over and over again as I was being asked a question. As you know, and media outlets reported this, the Biden family was not here. They were not here. They were at Camp David. They were not here Friday. They were not here Saturday. They were not here Sunday. They were not even here Monday. They came back on Tuesday. So to ask that question is actually incredibly irresponsible. And and um, I'll just leave it there. I'll just leave it there. Uh, how dare she? Irresponsible reporting on the family. And she has to call it out. They've changed the locations every time. Can you imagine if it was the Trump White House? Corinne Jean-Pierre would be out there as a political pundit 
bashing every which way but loose. I mean, this is the height of hypocrisy. And again, she says, well, they weren't there at the time. The Bidens weren't there at the time. Well, guess what? That's not when, again, we said that it was discovered. We said it was found on Sunday. But we didn't say when it was left. It could have been left on Friday. They left, by the way, on Friday evening. And they came back on Tuesday. So when was the last time you searched it? Where's the videotape? Where's the proof? Where's the where's the DNA? Where's the uh, fingerprints? There's a million things. Where's the visitor logs? There's a million things you could do. Who would be able to skirt past without going through a magnetometer and some of these other checks where they do check for illicit substances? I mean, not just a magnetometer where they're checking for guns, but they check for substances, substances, substances as well. I'd get that word out. It's a Friday night. So they had to they check for those things. They check for powders. They check for those things. So, I mean, it's ridiculous. So who might get a little bit of a pass? Maybe a family member? Maybe something like that. We don't know. But boy, it sounds fishy. And for her to be like all arrogant and like, oh, it's irresponsible. It is irresponsible of her to think that the White House should get a free pass on this. You have cocaine. You have an illegal substance. You have a known, at least former crack dealer in the White House who's spending a lot of time there very visibly. And what a surprise there's cocaine found. I mean, and you wonder why we're asking questions. Here is Michael Goodwin, New York Post Pulitzer Prize winning correspondent, and this is what he had to say. I, I thought the uh, the press conference today was shameful. I don't know why Karine Jean-Pierre doesn't just say no to the question which was posed uh, from a New York Post reporter. Uh, was this, did this cocaine belong to one of the Bidens? Was it a member of the president's family? And she gave every answer possible except yes or no. Uh, she talked about how it's offensive and it's a, well, then just say no if it's not true. Why don't you, why can't you say it's not true? Uh, that is that is quite unnerving, frankly, that she was not able to say no. Uh, you would think that would be something she would be eager to say, but she acted as though the the mere question was an affront to the dignity of the family. I I'm sorry that, that that you're digging the hole deeper there. You are definitely digging the hole deeper. That to me is reckless and it is just so hypocritical from a White House that tosses and turns the word impeachment out against Trump and charges at every single turn. And now you have an illegal drug found at the White House, which is highly unusual in a place that has tons of security. And so either the Secret Service is so bad at their security and a whole bunch of people should be fired there or somebody who they don't want to make public had cocaine. All right. So let's just figure it out which one it is. And we should have figured it out in 24 hours. We're going to take your calls after the break, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000. Or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. It's the Rita Cosby.
That is the perfect song for Hunter Biden. By the way, I want to give a shout out also to my buddy, New York photographer, Jeff Smith. He just tweeted out some very fun pictures and he always takes the best shots. Also, his dear friend, Lana, who called in uh, talking about her American journey a couple of days ago. That was fantastic. But a big shout out to Jeff and the great work that he always does. I just saw the fun pictures you put up there. And everybody, I always check out my Twitter feed, at Rita Cosby. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to to Marie in Seattle, line two. Marie, your thoughts? Oh, Marie, uh, listen, this is Marie, and I've got the answer to the whole thing. Everybody is, 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 is guessing this, that, the other thing, and going around in circles. The whole thing, in a nutshell, is fingerprints on the bag that this stuff is connected. If, 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 if Biden's son left it there, his fingerprints would be on that bag. Now, the bad thing, that's the good thing, that we've, we cleared the air there. That's the, that's the true and, uh, you know, the true remedy to finding out who left this stuff there. Okay, now— the bad thing is, even if it is Hunter Biden's fingerprints, they'll all lie and protect him and say it wasn't. So how do we get to the truth of this? Now, that's the method, because the fingerprints gives it all, gives it all away. See, if he's I, handling that bag and he left it there, it's I agree, it. Marie, I 1,000% agree that um, you're right. I think it does come down to fingerprints, and I think they already know whose fingerprints it, are, it is. Because even if you don't just go and do construction work, you don't go, uh, hey, Bob, uh, while you're fixing that elevator, could you come into the White House? And we won't check you or do any security. I mean, they do massive security checks, even on like construction crews. So even if you I'm saying you did a tour, you did a construction crew, they have all the background stuff on you. So you're right. Um, Actually, I think the fingerprints will be really easy. And the videotape, there's a there's, I'm sure, a camera that's right there that has probably a very clear view of when the bag was put down and who handed the bag or who put it down. I mean, it's probably very easy. Um, So I agree with you. But I actually think I think if it turns out that it is Hunter, per se, um, on, you know, the bags that it's and again, we don't know that, you know, of course, we're not sure. But if indeed it does turn out that it is Hunter's fingerprints, I actually think, depending where they sent it, but I would assume they sent it to like Quantico or somewhere like that for the test, they would know right away. And I think we'll probably find out about it sooner than later. I think somebody's going to want to leak it out. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be like, oh, what's that covert thing uh, over there? Why are there 10 people huddling in a corner over there and going, oh, shoot, you know? But I do think at some point it will probably leak out if it, you know, turns out to be that. We don't know, uh, but I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, let's go to Sergio. Line four. Sergio, your thoughts. Yeah, I'm glad that Comer's on the case because he has done such, he has done such an incredibly horrific and atrocious job with his other investigations. Do you think maybe that he left the cocaine in the White House to serve as a distraction <laughs> from what a terrible job he's been doing? Uh, well, let me give you two things. First off, I don't think he's done a terrible job. Uh, but if you're saying that what he's going on, do you believe he's going on a wild goose chase, Sergio, in general, yes or no? Well, he's chasing leakers. He's chasing whistleblowers. He lost an informant. It's all nonsense. You know that. Uh, Actually, I don't know what the truth is, and I'd like to know the truth. And I don't think you do either. But let's see where it goes. If it turns out 
that he gets something with bank records and a whole bunch of things, then maybe you'll be uh, eating some crow. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, which I love doing every night on the Rita Cosby Show, where we honor our great law enforcement and their families. A really powerful story coming from Candler County, Georgia, where a sheriff's deputy, Ashley Taylor, was flagged over by pedestrians reporting a crash on the highway. The deputy rushed to the scene of the car fire deep in the woods and saved the woman's life when he pulled her out from behind the wheel. The rescue was intense. It was caught on his body-worn camera, and Deputy Taylor pulled over to the side of the road, jumped out of his cruiser, ran through many feet of brush until he reached a red car covered in smoke and full of flames. He smashed the driver's side window with a baton, yelled at the woman to remove her seatbelt and get out of the car. A fire shot up all around all the sides of the vehicle inching closer to the deputy and the driver, and his calls grew more frantic. Eventually, he was able to pull the woman out of the flaming car. Sergeant Taylor's being praised for his heroic actions and bravery and is now being highly commended for his outstanding job that saved the life of this driver. What a great story, and wow, what a dramatic moment, too. And thank goodness he was able to to save her and rescue this woman. It just shows just what they have to deal with every single day on the job and that no day is the same for our men and women in blue. Well, we are talking about the situation now in the Situation Room, and that is because now the latest version is that it was found, the cocaine, near the Situation Room But don't worry about it. And trust us, even though we've changed the story a million different times, they still won't answer if Hunter Biden or Joe Biden had anything to do with it. It should be a simple no, you know, uh, if it is no. Um, And they would know by now, too. That's the other thing, too. Earlier today, um, we talked to Mark Morgan, and he's a longtime FBI agent, used to be head of Customs and Border Protection, spent a lot of time visiting the White House And this is how he described this sort of game of puzzling clue, if you will, from the White House. Take a listen. The fact that they are are hiding the ball, the fact that the White House press secretary will not be straightforward with the questions or provide whoever in the Secret Service that would be able to answer the questions. They're continuing to go with these anonymous sources, right? So it's being bounced all over the place. Uh, Some of I think it's all intentional to try to downplay it, to make it seem like, oh, this is such a difficult case. It's a whodunit. We're never going to be able to figure it out. It's all done anonymous. It's all to, again, as, as I think everybody agrees, is to hide the ball, distract. It's not a big deal. Yeah, and that is a disservice to the American public. It is a lie to the American public. We deserve to know. And Mark Morgan said it should be so fast that they could get to the bottom of it, whether it's as we were talking about fingerprints, whether it's videotape, DNA. There's a million things you can do. Um, Take a listen to what Mark Morgan had to say about how quick this should have come back. Look, I said 30 minutes. I'm being a little bit facetious. But the point is, this is a relatively straightforward investigation. You've got the United States Secret Service that's being helped by the FBI. These these are two organizations 
that are the best in the world at what they do. They, they handle sophisticated, long-term, complex criminal investigations spanning multiple continents every single day. I think that they can handle and try to figure out who dropped off a bag of cocaine in a highly controlled, narrowly focused access point. Yeah, narrowly focused. And then here's the new one today. Because remember, at first, they said, well, it was in the library. Then they switched it again to a cubby. And it's like they're trying to move further and further away from sort of uh, the White House residences, if you will, the sort of family space, it seems. That's my assessment. And so Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, goes out today during the White House briefing and then he says, because there were reports, oh, my gosh, this is not good. Uh, if it was right by the Situation Room, that is not a good thing. Um, with, the you know, cocaine right by where the who's who go in there for some of the most dire circumstances. That's where, like, they watched, you know, the raid on Osama bin Laden's compound in Pakistan. You know, that's where, like, so many of the high-level individuals go and meet. So there's, you know, they realize, okay, that is not a good one. So they come with a backup. Um, And here is what Jake Sullivan had to say, because he said, oh, no, no, no. Don't worry about the situation room. No problems there. Take a listen to this one. Republicans seem like they're very close to launching some sort of formal investigation. I'm curious, from a national security perspective, Wayne, what was your reaction when the drugs were found? And B, was there any risk to security, either to the president, to your staff, anybody that would work out of the sit room for this stuff to be so close to where you were? So first, I would refer to the Secret Service when it comes to questions of the security of the president. I won't speak to that. Second, I would make a point about the Situation Room, because I think there's been a lot of questionable reporting on this. The Situation Room is not in use and has not been in use for months because it is currently under construction. We are using uh, an alternate Situation Room in the Eisenhower Executive Office building. So the only people coming in and going out of the sit room in this period have been workers who are getting it ready to go. So maybe it was a construction worker. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? This is the most watched building in the world, probably the most secure building in the world. And it's like they're throwing darts every day on who they're going to blame. First, they were talking about tourists on a tour. Now they're talking about construction workers. They can't even figure out what part of the Oval Office or if it was near the Oval Office or is the library. I mean, this is like this is like a clueless Joe, not shoeless Joe. It's clueless Joe. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Rick. Line eight. Rick, your thoughts. I was just wondering if every time uh, Hunter goes on a trip somewhere, he picks up some blow. Like if he goes to the Congo, oh, I have some cash and some blow waiting for my kid. And maybe Biden shares it with him. You know how some days he's lethargic and other days he's all charged up. Oh, so that 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 now you're trying to explain why uh, he's got the highs and lows. I mean, you know what? I I think before uh, some debate, he seemed a little peppy. You know, I think they they kind of juiced him up. I don't know about cocaine, but it felt like uh, like he had a little bit of an energy boost. Maybe had a cup of coffee or something before or he got a nap. I don't know. Uh, but but, you know, the thing, it, it is a scary proposition. And the one thing, Rick, I mean, Hunter Biden uh, claims that he's clean. You don't buy it. You don't think that he's clean. You don't think he's an ex uh, crack addict. I don't think so. I think he's probably sneaking it. 
Well, we'll f- hopefully we find out if that's the case. Whoever did it. I mean, we don't know if it's his, but whoever did it. We, and especially, my goodness, if he's going on uh, flights with his dad, which he is. We've seen him, you know, he flew overseas with his father. He also was at Camp David two weekends in a row. He was waving there from the old White House balcony uh, during the 4th of July. So he's been quite present uh, in that area, you know. So who knows? Uh, and look, I hope for, you know, I hope drugs are a serious issue. And I hope that he is clean for himself. But the way that the White House is handling it is just, it's shameful. And it just is so suspicious. Let's go to Pete. Uh, Line four. Pete, your thoughts? Hi, Rita. Listen, I would bet that, you know, there is a a real uh, soft spot at the White House. Uh, I've been there. I was there when Nixon was there under Carol Cummings, who who was the head of security for the Secret Service. And uh, the the little the link the link that's bad is the things coming in through the laundry room, because at that time, when I was there, I was addicted to uh, uppers, you know, like uh, amphetamines. I kicked the habit. I went on to drinking afterwards. I kicked that habit, and now I gamble and I feed cats. Wait, wait, wait. So, Pete, what are you admitting yeah. that you were like on uppers when you were at the White House? Is this some confession? Yes, yes, yes. When I was in my 20s, when I was over there, I was addicted. And uh, one of the, le- uh, the easiest ways of getting anything to the White House was the laundry. They check the food coming in. They check, uh, you know, workers and everything. But the laundry is just in, like, hampers outside, and they Bring them in. That's the weak. That's the weakest link. That's where I would bet that it came in from the laundry because nobody really watches that. They got cameras and stuff. I mean, I'm talking. I was back there, you know, uh, when Nixon was was about 30, 40 years, 40 years ago. But uh, I'm sure nothing changed. That's a very interesting point. So, Pete, you think uh, maybe something was smuggled in through the laundry room? There was a. Uh... It wasn't a uh, tide. It wasn't powder tide. It was cocaine instead. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I would think that that's where it came in from, and it wouldn't be noticed because they put it in the laundry and in the, the uh, tablecloths and the curtains and everything comes in. It's the easiest way to smuggle it into any building, especially New York buildings. Well, now let me I, ask I, you, Pete, since you confess that you were on drugs when you went to the White House, all right? Um, and by the way, I'm glad that you're better, too. Obviously, that's great. Um, but when you were there, did they drug test then? Because, you know, clearly I had been to the I've been to the White House many times. I, I didn't work there. Uh, I did work there. I should say I covered the White House for Fox News. It wasn't. And I was the White House correspondent. So I'd go in and out. I was senior correspondent. So I'd go there quite often. So I did know it very well, I should say. Um, but they checked us. I mean, there were so many, you know, different things. Maybe I look more suspicious than you do, Pete. I don't know. Um, but did they drug test? Uh, what kind of checks did they do back then for workers? No, I, I worked for, privately for Nixon because, you know, with Carol, she was the head of the Secret Service. And he was very paranoid. He didn't even trust the Secret Service. So he wanted to have private people. And that's what I did for a couple of years. And then... I got away from it, and uh, I didn't want to do it anymore because I got serious about getting married. I met Renee, and uh, that's that's where it all went. And I straightened out my life, but I didn't go to any step programs, which I think they are great and they help people. I did it on my own, but I 
actually subsidize another cr- uh, another crutch doing something. I went from drinking to gambling, and now my latest thing is I feed feral cats. I go out at night like Curtis does. I have them neutered and spaded, and I do everything the responsible way, and that's my uh, – that's my vice now. Well, that's a good vice, is taking care of animals, as Curtis does, too. That's beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful, Pete. And I'm glad uh, that you have uh, turned your life around and uh, and met fabulous Renee. So bravo, bravo, bravo. Really interesting, too, to hear uh, what it was like uh, back then, too. Thank you so much, Pete. You are terrific. Have a great, great weekend. Uh, let's go to Frederick, line eight. Frederick, your thoughts. Yes, uh, this is Frederick from Brooklyn. Um, Rita, I just now heard um, prior uh, in the news that um, uh, was happening at 10 p.m. just before you came on. I heard it being said in that news that fingerprints um, is already on the way being taken on that package. That uh, Oh, yeah. Package. By the way, I'm sure they did fingerprints probably within minutes, you know? I mean, once they got realized that it was cocaine, because remember, at first, Frederick, they had to evacuate the place because they thought it might be something more serious than cocaine, like an anthrax or something scary. I mean, it's a national security risk. You find a powder, a mysterious powder suddenly at the white house. So they had to evacuate. They had to bring in a hazmat team. Then when they figured out that it was cocaine, they tested it initial, then they brought it over. So pretty soon after they figured what it was, I'm sure they almost immediately did. And those things don't take that long, especially Frederick people who go into the white house and I can tell you, as someone who covered the White House, they have my fingerprints. I had to get fingerprinted. They had to do a background check on me. They had to do a whole bunch of stuff. So, um, you know, obviously every situation's different. Uh, Pete was there much earlier than I was. Uh, but when I was there, and, and I was there more recently than Pete was, it was like tight as a drum. Yeah, Their security is really, really intense. And I've been there, maybe I went like a year or two ago. Um, so I, I've been there many, many times through the years just for work um, and for a whole bunch of stuff. And it's very tight. So there's no way that somebody who had been there, either they have a log of who was in in the window uh, or they have fingerprints of the person and they can match it. Uh, I mean, you know, this is supposed to be the greatest law enforcement in the world. Um, you know, it's not the Keystone Cops. Are you surprised we haven't gotten any answers yet, Frederick, from it? Yes. So, uh, so yes, I'm st- I'm still curious. Is actually uh, is already there uh, an intensive fingerprint? I've already been taken. Uh, um, our uh, uh, fingerprint uh, fingerprints is yet to be taken. Has it uh, uh, is it been taken and not been disclosed? That's what, what that's what act- that's what we all believe, Frederick. Because it seems like it's taken so long, and normally they would have had fingerprints by now and been able to do searches almost immediately. So uh, there's a lot of splaining that needs to be done here. That's for sure. Uh, let's go to Mike, line six. Mike, your thoughts. How, how are you, Rita? I, I think this was another plant job, okay? Uh, uh, a plant job? Who planted plant? it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the ones that planted the documents on Joe Biden, too, so he could look clean. This is all about making Hunter look clean. He was probably uh, clean for a few months. I hope he broke the habit, but if he didn't, he was clean for a few months. All right, this was all a setup so that the day after they they found this stuff, uh, he probably went in and got a, a drug test. He's probably clean, okay? So 
Uh, they I don't think I don't walk. think I don't think they've done drug tests. If you think related to these um, this bag of cocaine yet, I don't think they've done drug tests because they've said, will you do drug tests? Well, we'll see. We'll we'll figure it out. Um, so they haven't I don't think they've done anything in reaction to this in terms of like screening extra people. They don't seem to want to they don't even know what part of the you know White House it is yet. They keep throwing darts in different directions. But you think who do you think is setting it up? Why do you think somebody's setting up Hunter Biden? Biden goes to court. They're going to expect us to make allegations against him and point the finger at him. So the whole thing is that when he goes to court, he's going to say, look, I went and did a, a drug test. Here's my test. I'm clean. All right. They all made allegations against me, this and that. Boom, boom. This is all to make us look bad and make him look good when he goes to court. All right. This is what I think. I, this is all a plant job. And, and they're putting a maze around it right now with the different rooms and all of that. So they could confuse things. That's why jo, uh, Joe and his family were out of town. And that's why Hunter stayed. This is all a plant job, man. And, and uh, you know, they got to get a little, another guy to start making these uh, trick bags because it's starting to get easy to crack. Yeah. Actually, who knows? You know, we'll we'll find out. I hope we find out. I, I don't think it's any plant. Um, but I think it's clearly uh, a bungled investigation. And, and I don't think it's that they're inept. I honestly don't. I, I think the Secret Service is a really good organization. Um, there's some really good people that work there. I know a lot of the Secret Service agents. Um, they're really highly qualified. So I think that there's a whole bunch of politics that suddenly got thrown at it, and they're trying to figure out, ah, uh, how do we explain this one? So that's what makes me think it's somebody they don't want it to come out public about. Because otherwise it'd be like, oh, we got some construction worker, and he's no longer going to be doing uh, nails in the situation room anymore, you know? one 800 We'll continue your calls after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. I'm your mama, I'm your daddy, I'm that in the alley. I'm your doctor when you need. Want some coke, have some weed. You know me, I'm your friend. You this could be the theme song of the White House. I'm telling you this week, it fits. If the shoe fits, wear it, baby. one 800 848 Two. Uh, let's go to Eddie. Line three. Eddie, your thoughts about all this, my friend. I love you, Julia. Soul. So I'm going to coin a term, and uh, I will give you, you you and John Casmatidis use it at five. I call it presidential bail reform. And explain why. Explain why, because uh, I think it's it's a apt term, but explain why you think it's appropriate. Well, well, they will get away with it, you know. They'll they'll get released. Uh, Hunter gets a slap on the wrist for everything, right? Uh, Joe, the borders are open. Um, he's receiving money from China. Everything goes into invisibility. I mean, I think Hunter he might have lost this cocaine, and we have to get the FBI or somebody to investigate and go into DoorDash. See if he 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 ordered more cocaine through Emmanuel Norega's uh, relatives in DoorDash. Wait, wait, wait. Where, where did you get the DoorDash from? Well, I I feel like there's probably a DoorDash that does fentanyl and cocaine that we don't even know about. And Hunter Biden's probably ordering his stuff from it. 
because he figures. Oh, is that like Uber Eats? <laughs> like, right, right, absolutely, Rita. <laughs> I, I love a pizza and what two grams? You know, I mean, yeah, yeah. oh pizza my god. <laughs> no, no, no pepperoni. Just give me the uh, give me the coke a little bit. Well, pizza gets retired. I have things to do. You know, I got places to go. Hey, I'm a little bit of Rodney Dangerfield, and you uh, always uh, you always make us laugh on a Friday night. You are terrific, and you know what? Who knows? I mean, Pete was just saying that he thinks it comes through the laundry. So, you know, uh, now you think it comes through DoorDash. So uh, we got a couple of different options. It's getting interesting here. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Tom in Ohio. Tom, your thoughts. Rita, I, I could, when you mentioned about that cocaine bag uh, being found one place, another place, another place, I thought of uh, Arlen Specter and the magic bullet. You know, we've got the magic uh, uh, blow here. And, and really, I think that the, the truth is being withheld in both instances. Now, isn't it interesting how they get away with this stuff? I mean, remember in January 6th, there were supposed to have been two bombs, one at the Democrat headquarters in Washington, D.C., and then the other one at the Republican headquarters. And uh, when you mentioned, you know, tonight about, well, you know, there'd be fingerprints or DNA or uh, all those surveillance cameras. Well, that would have been true there, too. And yet after two and a half years, we still don't know. You know, they still haven't tracked it down. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's very interesting uh, because I've often wondered uh, who was behind that. What's the background? And you're right. There's a lot of mysteries and it makes you wonder, what are they hiding? It's the Rita Cosby Show. I know your name is Rita. Because your perfume is smelling sweet. Since when I saw you down on the floor. Tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, later on in this hour, we are just going to talk about the mess that is being a business person in New York City or any major city across this country. It's happening in so many cities in our nation. Case in point, uh, this is a story of first a CVS worker has now been charged with stabbing a serial shoplifter to death. After they had a fight inside a Midtown Manhattan store, and he says he was just acting in self-defense. Uh, it was a guy with a multiple rap sheet, um, and he is a 50-year-old homeless man, came in, started to rob the store again, um, and then went over to the clerk. And according to the clerk, says he just started punching him in the face, um, and he was just defending himself. He said, I was just defending myself because he was mad that I was telling him probably the other times uh, to stop stealing from the store. I mean, what, you can't say anything anymore? I mean, this is unbelievable. And so the guy apparently was punching him. He took out a knife that he was using. He said he used a knife, you know, for opening boxes and other things and stabbed the guy. And the guy was stabbed to death. Now, he has been charged. Uh, what do you make of that? Um, is that over the top? And is that self-defense if indeed the video shows? I mean, we don't know, but if the video shows that the guy just came over to him and started really beating him, doesn't he have a right to defend himself? It's not like he just suddenly randomly, according to his testimony, went over and just stabbed the guy. So it just shows how violent and how tense things are. There's another case in Colorado where a grocery store employee was fired 
for filming a group of robbers who were making an escape with hundreds of dollars worth of laundry items. And he says that he was given a direct order basically to follow the people out in the parking lot of this King Supers store, which is a subsidiary of Kroger's. And he said he was filming it on his phone. They were stealing like about $500 worth of laundry products. And he also got their, you know, license plate and everything else. And what happens to him? He gets fired. I mean, what is going on? You're just supposed to, what, totally stand back, not do anything. These people are heroes. And him getting the license plate, he took some foil off the license plate, which was able to kind of reveal the license plate numbers, help the authorities track him down. So this is the thanks he get that the company says, no, you're not supposed to engage or do anything. You're just supposed to, I guess, sit there and take it. Does that apply to the guy who was getting punched in the CVS store? Because he was telling people in the past, please do not steal. Please do not do this. Please do not do that. Um, apparently has no history of violence in his background, the guy who is the employee. I mean, this is just nuts. I mean, is this the place where we are that things have become so commonplace, things have become so dangerous that you're told just to stand back and what, just let them rob? And that's the kind of employee you want in your stores who doesn't have any regard for the store, doesn't care about it. What a sad place we are. Here is the fired clerk. His name is Santino Barula. And here he's talking about why he says he was fired. First off, I didn't see color when I confronted them. I seen criminals, uh, white, black, brown, purple. It didn't matter. A crime was being committed. And wrong is wrong, and a crime is a crime. And for those of you that are like, mind your business, let me tell you something. If something is happening right in front of me, I'm going to make it my business. Wow. You know what? He seems to care a lot about his store. Isn't that kind of like the employee you want who at least cares about your property and doesn't just kind of sit back and knit a sweater when people are out there stealing and robbing you blind? My goodness. Well, speaking of the blind leading the blind, let's go back to the White House because the whole cocaine mystery is really thickening. And Corinne Jean-Pierre, what made me realize that there was a huge, huge problem at the White House and that they didn't want to tell the story is when Corinne Jean-Pierre, like on the first day that this broke, you know, she was asked, well, obviously, when you get to the bottom of it, this is going to be serious. This is going to be whoever it is. You're going to prosecute. It's terrible. You know, whether it's a construction worker, whoever it is, whoever it is, you're going to get to the bottom of it. That's an easy question. The answer is, yeah, it's an illegal drug. No illegal drug should be brought into the White House. They caused us to actually evacuate. Uh, It was a dangerous situation. What if it was something more serious other than cocaine, like an anthrax or a powder or something like that? You're darn right. We're going to prosecute. We're going to hold them accountable. And yet she couldn't go there. That's when I said, something's up. This was her response that made my antenna go up. Take a listen. If the uh, Secret Service determines uh, the, who brought the uh, cocaine into the White House, does the White House support the prosecution of this individual? I'm just not going to get into hypotheticals from here. Let, let the Secret Service do their job. It's under their purview. We are confident that they'll get to the bottom of it. I'm just not going to get ahead of this right this time. Okay. I'm not going to get ahead of this. So all you have to say is it's not a good thing to bring an illegal drug to the White House. And obviously there will be punishment as opposed to, oh, I, 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 I am not sure, 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 sure. I mean, that is just crazy. 
1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Mark uh, from Kansas on line five. Mark, go ahead. You're here on the Rita Cosby Show. Hey, Rita. How are you doing? Uh, if my recollection is correct, uh, being that I spent about 20 years working there. Ah, uh, and by the way, I recognize they... this voice. You and I worked together there when I was uh, covering the White House. I know you well, Mark. Uh-huh. I recognize uh, that great story, voice. When, when, when this story broke, I go, and they said it was in the area where the public is. I go, wait a minute. That's not where the public is. The public doesn't go in that entrance. That's the staff entrance. And on a Sunday, they're not having public tours. Maybe some staff people may bring in their family members, but the Sunday before July 4th, I don't think people are coming in there because everybody that's going to be bringing their family to the White House is going to be bringing their Tuesday for the fireworks show. So this location that they're staying where they found it at is right outside the Situation Room where you have a bookcase, bookcase, shelves, whatever, where if you're going to go into the Situation Room, you put your electronic devices in there because you don't bring a cell phone into the uh, Situation Room. Um and that's not an area where the general public goes. That's not an area where the media goes. So when she says that it was heavily trafficked on a Sunday, I don't think so. Yeah, and you know what? And, and by the way, everywhere. I've been there. I've been there a lot on a Sunday. You've been there many more times than me, my friend. Um, you're right. Uh, now, let me ask you, Mark, what about what about cameras, too? I mean, there are so many surveillance yeah. cameras. You know, you know, I've been gone 20 years, but I know that, you know, they have cameras. And they have sensors that can sniff the air. Um, and they have detectors to do other things. So they kind of know exactly what's going on. I, I, I'm not going to say much about that because it's kind of sensitive. Um, but there's cameras. And all not only that, but anybody that goes into the White House grounds now, when you go past the, the Northwest Gate or the Southwest Gate, you put your hard pass in there, and it reads your card. And there's a log of everybody that goes in and out when, when you go in and when you come out. There's a log. There's an entry on it. And there's cameras. And there's facial recognition. They know exactly who put it there. But they're just not saying. All right. So, uh, Mark, who worked at the White House, and I know for 20 years, I know exactly who you are, my friend. Um, what do you think is the reason that they're not telling us? Well, you know, there was another politician in D.C. that – they recorded doing drugs on camera years ago. Are you talking about Marion Barry? Oh, yeah. <laughs> for life, Marion, you know? Yep. I, um, why did I remember that? Uh, he said the blank set me up. Remember that one? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, we're not, we can tell stories about that all night long, but he had been, it was well known that he was doing that. And in fact, uh, I can't, you know, if you want to talk about it off air, you call me back later. But uh, I just want to say one thing. I saw Big John on CNN, on Fox the other day. I'm going, gee, maybe if he bought CNN, maybe you could go back on TV. Hey, well, by the way, I also hope that John definitely, and I think you're talking about John Katsimatidis, I hope that he does buy CNN because, first of all, he's one of the most decent, incredible people I know. He also really cares about common sense, cares about this country, and he certainly would be a forum for all sides um, being aired. And to me, uh, just in general, he would do a tremendous service for this country. 
if um, if he bought it, because I feel like the media is like it's like two different worlds, Mark. I mean, even when exactly. when when you and I worked together, um, you know, it was like it wasn't like God, uh, uh, the other station wasn't reporting. The other network wasn't reporting it. Now it's like they're barely some of them are barely even touching the cocaine stuff. I mean, are you kidding me? And, and others are going, wait a minute. Some of them are are doing it, which is good, but they should be doing it. But yet, if it's a Trump thing, you just got to be fair to everybody. And I'm seeing such double standards. And, and, and that, to me, I think is such a disservice to the American public. Just follow the truth, wherever the truth goes. Um, so that, to me, is the most important thing. So, so again, back to my question, Mark. Do you think, um, do you think it's obviously somebody sensitive who has it? Otherwise, they would have kind of come out and told us the type of person it was, right? Can you imagine, can you imagine a run-of-the-mill staff person there walking in? With a, I, I think I saw a picture somewhere on TV somewhere of the evidence bag, and it wasn't a small quantity; it was a significant quantity of cocaine. And they, any any staff person, they, yeah, that's instantaneous. Here. You're at the you're at the door. Take your pass. See you later. You don't have a job. You're going to jail. Exactly. And the fact that she came out, the White House press secretary was asked the question. And she was like, well, I'm not really sure. What did that say to you? That, to me, that's what made me so suspicious, Mark, you know? Oh, I, I guarantee you she's being told from the, the higher-ups to keep her, you know, don't, you know, keep your mouth shut because, you know, we can't embarrass anybody. I'm going, um, I mean, I have some other thoughts about, you know, why it was there on a Sunday and, you know, who was where and what was going on. I'm going, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, it's speculation on my part. Uh, on that, but it definitely, if it was, if any member of the media had been caught with that in the in the briefing room, can you imagine what would happen to you there? Oh, forget it. Yeah, you would be fired. You'd be arrested. Um, and that should be the appropriate response for whoever would carry it in. And that's why there's something that's so fishy. And and you just confirmed a lot of it for me, Mark, because you know the White House so so well, my friend. Uh, great to have you call in, and I hope to talk with you again, Mark. You're terrific. Thank you, my friend. Thanks so much. Let's go to Alex. Alex in Brooklyn. We just talked to Mark, uh, who worked for 20 years at the White House, and described uh, also cameras, sensors, detectors, facial recognition, all the things that are there. Um, and that was even a number of years ago. I'm sure it's even more state-of-the-art now. So, I mean, it it is tighter than a drum, Alex, and yet they are pretending like they have no clue, and then they won't even tell us where it is. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Alex, go ahead. You see see Theo and Rudy. Alex, call back. Alex, call back. We can't hear you. We're having some trouble. Give us a call back. Let's go to Susan on line three. Susan, let's see if we can get a coherent answer out of you. <laughs> Alex might have been doing some, uh, I don't know what. <laughs> Rita, thank you so much for taking my call. You usually speak to my husband, Anthony, from Bergen County. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm glad it's all in the family. That's great. Yeah. Listen, I have some, I, you know, everybody has these smartphones and cameras and the ring doorbell and things like this. And, you know, if you had a problem in your home, or you own the business and you ha- you know you would look at that film immediately. You wouldn't wait. That's why it doesn't make sense that, you know, they're saying, oh, it was in this area, it was in this area, it was in this. You know, the key- they know where it was. Yeah, there's no question. And they also, when they called up, they reported 
that it was in the library. And then they moved it to near the situation room, you know, and to this area. So, I mean, you know, give me a break. And as Mark was just saying, too, at first they said, oh, well, there's a lot of tours that come through there. There's a lot of this. There's a lot of that. Uh, I mean, there, it is, it really stinks. There's, there's something that it just doesn't make sense. And what is it? The cover up is worse than the crime. I mean, the way they seem to be covering up and like puzzling it, it is just really, really troubling. Don't you think? I mean, there's something, it's making it look really bad. And if the facts were just, oh, you know, it's somebody or whatever the case, they would have just come right out with it because they know it by now. I mean, this is Absolutely. some game. Absolutely. And you know what? They think the American people are so stupid. That That's the unfortunate thing. Yeah, that is they the sad thing. All, you know, they, they, they think we're all idiots. Absolutely. And and boy, we need to know. It is our house. You know, it's our taxes. It's our house. We deserve to know. 1-800-848-9222. If you want to hang out, you got to take her out cocaine. If you want to get down, down on the ground cocaine. So whose line is it? Wow, this is perfect because, boy, it is a mystery that is getting deeper and deeper. Who do you think left the cocaine and why is the White House just all over the place with their messaging? That's what makes it look really, really suspicious. Uh, By the way, too, also a thoughts and prayers today going out to Evan Gerskovich. That, of course, is the Wall Street Journal reporter who has now been held for 100 days behind bars in a Russian prison on sort of false charges of espionage. Uh, unbelievable that it has now been 100 days. And also this comes as the U.S. just a few hours ago approved uh, cluster munitions in Ukraine, part of a huge other aid package that they are sending to Ukraine. And now this very controversial cluster bombs that the Russians have been using uh, to kill as many Ukrainians as they could. Now the U.S. is supplying them to Ukraine to be able to attack the Russians. Uh, Boy, things are getting really heightened over there and we'll certainly keep you posted. Meantime, of course, a lot of stuff happening at the White House and a lot of stuff that shouldn't be happening, like cocaine suddenly found. You heard from uh, my friend Mark, who worked at the White House for 20 years. Uh, talking about how unusual it would be that it was put there, especially if it's on a weekend um, in an area where, you know, right by the Situation Room, you're not supposed to have a cell phone. There's also, by the way, a Secret Service officer there 24 hours a day. So what, that officer didn't recognize it? You know, I mean, there are so many questions here. It just the story does not make sense. 1-800-848-9222. Two, two. Uh, let's go to Alan. Line five. Alan, your thoughts. Rita, you're unbelievable. Uh, two, let's say two construction workers are smoking a joint in the Lincoln bedroom. Or the nightmare scenario, we see a video of Joe Biden in the basement of the of the White House with a five-pound bag of cocaine. I don't think we're going to see that. It, to me, it's obvious the Secret Service in a very precarious situation because they don't want to get on the bad side of the Biden family because obviously 
the only person who brought cocaine into the White House could be a member of the Biden family or close to it. You cannot get through there. You cannot get through that White House without being scrutinized. The dog, the, the sniffing dogs will smell you when you're out in the, uh, on the South Lawn or something. They'll come out there. There's no way you bring that stuff in there. And unfortunate, it, this is like a big distraction, but it's also the Secret Service is in a precarious, like I said, position because who's going to um, take that cocaine and, and move it around? Then you're disturbing a crime scene, and it's all on video. They know who did it. They have the videotape. They have everything that you can possibly want to know. They have it. They might be saying the situation room because then they can say, oh, for national security reasons, we can't release the photo, uh, you know, the video of the, from, in that area. It's oh, that's a good point. So maybe, maybe they try to make it even more sensitive area so then they can use it not to uh, have to put it out. That's a really interesting point. But then, you know, it's wild. They just said that it's now under construction. But you're right. They wouldn't want to necessarily show some of the outside of and some of the security layers in the White House. Um, but surely they can do like a zoom in of it. Uh, was it a big bag? Was it a little bag? Um, and why can't they figure out exactly the location? Uh, but I agree with you. They have video. They probably knew within minutes and they're just not telling us. And I want to know why. And I think we all should. When we come back, we're going to talk sadly about retail theft and some deadly turns that managers and others have taken to protect their stores. It's the Rita Cosby Show. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, where we honor our great military and also their families, a powerful story from beautiful Shelby, North Carolina, where in a special dual ceremony held over last weekend, a local man was promoted to captain and his grandfather, a Korean War veteran, was also honored. Uh, the wife of Albert Wayne Richter said that her 91-year-old husband, served in the Air Force from 1951 to 1955 and was sent to serve in Korea. She said Wayne Richter had a stroke last fall, and since he was unable to leave home and attend a ceremony on the base for his grandson's promotion, they brought the ceremony to him at their Shelby, North Carolina home. So she said not only was Brian being honored, he wanted to honor Pop. So she said, and he did it beautifully, adding that it was a moving ceremony with many friends and family in attendance. My grandsons always really looked up to him, and it was a day we will all never forget. What a beautiful story, and how wonderful to see grandson and grandfather both recognized and appreciated for their service. Well, we are talking about crime in America, and one of the most I think devastating stories that I've seen in the last day or so is the story of an interpreter who served with the U.S. forces in Afghanistan. He fled the Taliban in Afghanistan. He was able to get himself out and his family out. And then he starts working for Lyft, uh, the, you know, rideshare service in Washington, D.C., and he tells his wife that he needs to work some extra hours because they've got, you know, several kids. He wants to make sure he takes care of the kids who range in age from 15 months to 13 years old. So he was doing 12-hour shifts. He was the sole provider for the wife and the four kids. 
And think about this. He escapes the horror of Afghanistan and the brutality of the Taliban regime. He gets to Washington, D.C. and ends up getting killed uh, in the middle of the night. Think about what a terrible, terrible story. They found him with a single gunshot wound close to his car on 11th Street Northeast in Washington, D.C. He was taken to a hospital where he was pronounced dead. And now they are trying to get justice for him. There was a videotape out with some of the assailants, and they're trying to locate them. This is just one of the most heartbreaking stories. But it also just epitomizes, think about it, if there's not a worse place in the world, it's under the Taliban in Afghanistan. He escapes that brutality, and yet the streets of Washington, D.C. is what actually took his life. How heartbreaking and what a sad testament to the crime situation that is taking place in America. And meantime, in the middle of this, there's a lot of store clerks that have been trying to fight back. And those who fought back, some of them have been getting fired. Remember the Lululemon store? There was a store of the two women who fight, you know, chased out a whole bunch of guys that were grabbing all this very expensive clothing. They tried to stop them and they were filming them and they got fired because they weren't supposed to be filming. I mean, are you kidding me? They were trying to tell them to put it down. They were trying to tell them to return the merchandise. I mean, this is just the definition of insanity. And then here is this clerk. This is a guy who's in Colorado. He's a supermarket worker. And he was given, he said, a direct order by his boss to follow the shoplifters. So he goes out and he films them on his cell phone. They're stealing a couple hundred dollars worth of laundry products. Um, he's able to like remove it was look like a like a you know metal some you know you know wrap or whatever and he moves it so we can actually get a shot of the license plate because they were not very quick so he's able to do it he removes that the aluminum wrap he gets the license plate they catch the people and guess what happens to him first he gets suspended and then he gets fired this guy should get you know employee of the year here is the fired clerk Santino Barola talking about what he says was he was just doing his job. Uh, well, I, I was given a direct order by uh, the third person in charge to f- uh, get the license plate. And my initial reaction was to record, you know, better evidence to get their faces, the description of the vehicle and, and the license plate. Okay. And the Colorado sheriff had this to say about how valuable that recording was to track down the thieves. Can you tell me whether or not you would ever have caught these people if it weren't for Santino? We would have caught him at some point, but without Santino's uh, video that he gave us and me being able to do a little bit cleaner investigation, it would have been a lot harder, harder to do. His video to us immensely helped us in investigation. I was able to, with other detectives, We were able to put the driver uh, in custody in jail within 24 hours, and we're still working on the other two. We should have that wrapped up hopefully by the end of next week, we're hoping. That guy is a hero. And then here is the case in point that's happening. This is at a CVS pharmacy. This one is in Midtown Manhattan. This CVS pharmacy clerk, Scotty Enro, he was put in jail on Friday on charges of fatally knifing a homeless guy who had repeatedly come to the store and robbed. Now, the homeless guy had a whole slew of arrests in his background, uh, repeated arrests for robbery, at least 16 arrests um, all over the place. Uh, and also, in fact, at that same store, 
So the clerk in the past was told by his bosses, hey, when they come in, just say, don't steal. Please don't steal. You know, like, like, please don't touch it. Please don't do that. That's those are okay words, I guess. Right. So he had apparently said this to the homeless guy several times. The guy continued to steal. Then he comes in uh, just recently. This is on Thursday. He comes in uh, the wee hours of the morning. And the clerk says he didn't even have a chance to get any words out before the homeless guy starts fighting with him and punching him in the face. He says there was no altercation whatsoever. Suddenly the guy comes over and starts beating him up, brutally beating him up. So he takes out a knife that he says he used on his job to open boxes. And he stabbed the guy and stabbed him to death. He stabbed him eight times in the chest. And now he is facing serious charges. What do you make of that? Do you think that that was the appropriate move? Or do you think that was over the top, given that the homeless guy we don't believe was armed? I haven't seen that he was armed. Um, But I also think if suddenly some homeless guy and somebody starts beating up on you at a store, you know the guy is a criminal and he's a repeat offender and he's suddenly beating you up, you have a right to self-defense. What is he supposed to just take it? Remember Jose Alba? Remember the case of that store clerk when at first... Good old Alvin Bragg, soft on crime DA Alvin Bragg in New York, basically said that Jose Alba, remember he charged him with second degree murder? It was like, and then the videotape, you can see it in the videotape, that the guy jumped over the counter, blocked him in, started pushing him and shoving him, and he was just defending himself. He was scared to death, and the girlfriend was trying to stab him at the time. But what, he was supposed to just take it? So at what point? And they're saying this was excessive force. What are your thoughts about this? Do you think this guy should walk? He is still behind bars. And again, the homeless guy was killed, stabbed eight times in the chest. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. I contend if somebody is attacking you, you don't know if they're going to pull out a weapon. You don't know if they're going to give you a fatal blow. What are you supposed to wait until it's way too late? And then he can't do anything at that point. I mean, this guy, according to what this guy says, and let's see, there should be again a videotape. We're talking about the video in the White House. There should definitely be a videotape in the store, you would imagine, that shows that indeed suddenly he was just doing his job. And out of the blue, this guy starts punching him and beating up on him. So if that's the case, then maybe it is, I think, decent amount of force. It's a lot. I mean, he killed the guy. but again. I'd like to see the videotape. Maybe the guy is totally beating up on him, knocking him down, brutally hitting him. I mean, at that moment, you're not supposed to say, well, maybe I should just hit him back and not do anything and just take it. I think you have a right to self-defense. And so why is the guy even charged? I mean, again, welcome to New York and welcome to so many of these progressive cities across the country. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's go to Norm. Line two. Norm, your thoughts about this. My thoughts are our elected leaders, our elected leaders. Are they not seeing all, it's in New York City here, are they not seeing all these pissed off, crazy people 
in the streets. I mean, I just, you know, today I was on the Upper West Side. I see people screaming and yelling and angry and fighting with people and picking fights with people. I, it's, it's, you know, I, 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 uh, I feel for the guy who works in the store. Uh, in my little, uh, in my little community here in Canarsie, uh, in East Brooklyn, here we have a little, we have a little Walgreens. They have a security guard there with body armor and a nine millimeter on his waist. Um, wow! Everything is locked. And yeah, what kind of a store every- is it? You said it's a Walgreens. It's a grocery, a uh, drugstore. They have armed, armed security wearing a bulletproof vest. Uh, you know, a visible bulletproof vest. And he's got uh, mace and all sorts of other. I think he's an ex-cop, um, and he's got a, a nine millimeter on his waist. You know, and everything is locked up. I noticed that this has affected inventory. Inventory's way down. Oh yeah, uh, Norm. Um, retailers, retailers are 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 just getting brutalized. Um, and I'm talking about from an economic and a physical perspective. I mean. It is uh, Walgreens where they're basically looking at getting rid of 150 stores, some of them in New York. Um, and then there's discussions about Rite Aid and other places, because how can you do business if everything is locked up? It's not a productive way to do business. That's one. And who wants to do business if it takes like five minutes just to get toothpaste? You know, yes. it's and, and, and then when you go into a store. Norm, I mean, how many times have you gone into a store? The fact that at that Walgreens right there, they got a, you know, he's uh, armed and loaded for bear. Um, You know, you don't feel too comfortable walking in if you see some of the other people in the store that uh, you wonder what the heck they're doing. Right. You know, the thing is, is I I don't know why the media is not saying more stuff on this. Look, I tell I have friends in Europe. I have a friend in Austria. And I, I said to her, I wrote some of these things today, you know, because I've been thinking, you know, I wrote her. And uh, she says to me, oh, I have not been, I haven't heard of any of this. I'll do some research. They don't believe it. They don't believe it's gotten the, the like the New York Times and, the, you know, the, the regular television, uh, you know, with all the networks, they're not, they're not telling people about this stuff. You have to listen to WABC or maybe you'll hear it on Fox. But if you're, if you're, if you're not looking for this information, which is all, you know, it's all my friends. I ask all my friends today, is it worse in New York than it was three years ago? And they'll, hell yeah. You know, and, and, and politically they come from different backgrounds as me, my clients. And, but yet we we're, there's all a consensus that it's, it's not as good today in New York. It's more dangerous and there's more crime. Yet that's not reflected in, in, in the media. I mean, the Times does not report that. And that, and by the way, down. that is, I know, that is, murder, I, I don't know. Norm, that's, a, that is a complete disservice. I agree with you that, um, you know, they need to start showing, uh, what really is happening because people need to know how to be safe and they need to be on the wear. If there's some problem, which we clearly all see, all you have to do, you just walk down the streets of New York for five seconds and you can tell it's a bit of a scary place. Uh, I mean, it's, it's clear. It's visible. Look at the subways. Look at all the issues that are happening. Um, and I think, um, I think it is, uh, la la land for them not to be reporting the truth out there and also how people feel because anybody who's walked the streets, you feel it. Yeah, you're looking over your shoulder. You're, you know, there's a lot of homeless people. There's a lot of people high as a kite. Uh, there's so much marijuana on the streets, and who knows what other drugs too. Um, you know, it's just it is a scary place, and, and I 1,000 percent sadly agree with you, Norm. It, it's sadly a sign of the times, and you're right. It should be covered 
uh, because people need to be aware and be on the lookout and also have a dose of reality because you want to change it. You don't want to keep it. You, you, get, you don't want it to get any worse if that's possible. Uh, let's go to Mike in Myrtle Beach. Uh, Mike, your thoughts. Hey, how you doing, Rita? Um, uh, well, my thoughts are it's happening all over the country. I was just back in Nassau County for a week by all hood, you know, and now I'm back in uh, Myrtle Beach, South Kakalaki. Uh, it's all over the country. You know, it's um, yeah, they're coming in waves. You know, Target is, is starting to close. All the big stores are starting to close. They're wearing their masks. And, and like, you know, the poor guy, hey, you know, I mean, that, that's a little excessive. You stand him eight times in the chest. He dies. But uh, here's the thing. You know, it, it's it's that's the, the climate we live in. And I got to give a shout out, reader, to Curtis. He's on deck. He's pacing. Uh, Curtis, my, my only grandchild, his name is Carter, like your middle guy. And that was my expression to use on the radio. That's all right. Caucasian persuasion. <laughs> and and he is on deck on WABC Radio. You are correct. Mike, thank you. You're wonderful. Have a great, great weekend. Um, let's go to let's go to Morty. Line seven. Morty, your thoughts. Hey Rita. Good to talk to you again. Um again, you know, last night we we talked, the first thing I mentioned was that translator still. I would like to give a moment of respect for him. Uh, before I go on my uh, before I go on my little rant. Second of all, uh, I'm smack dab in the middle of my 20s, so I'm not saying I'm old, but I'm definitely not you know young. But I'm young. You get what I mean. Anyway, years ago when I was in high school, um, <clears throat> I had a retail job working at a mall, and we had our code words and everything, but we could not chase them or touch them out of the store. We could go everything up to the store. So I asked my manager. I said. What, you mean I can't tackle them? Like, you know, hut two, three, can't tackle? Like, no, we're going to get sued and you're going to get sued. Okay. And I remember there was a couple of times where I actually caught people and I asked my manager, what should I do? So we both walked over and we asked them, do you need any help? And they, they then they pretend that they don't speak English. So then I spoke Spanish. I said, to necesidad, do you need help? And they said, oh, no, no, I'm good. And then they walked out of the store. Of course, everything starts beeping. So I, I go up to the store door and I yell out at the top of my lungs. I'm like, hey, and, uh, and she starts running. And so we had our laugh. But, you know, at the, look, it's not my company. It's not my bottom dollar. I'm still getting a paycheck. But at the end of the day, come on, like mom and pop businesses, it's still this, it's the same equation. Doesn't Just because Walmart's a multi-billion dollar company and, quote, unquote, they're not going to feel it doesn't change the morality of stealing. It's like right, wrong. You do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. I agree. That's not right. I you agree. Know what they do, right? They they take these clothes, they take these clothes, and they go to the street corners and they sell them for discounted prices. They'll take they have a magnet, they take off the magnet security, and they sell them on the corner. That's what they do. Yeah, and and in fact, many times they just walk right around the corner and they're like, ah, uh, hey, uh, yeah, as the alarm's going off right around the corner in the building. But but you know, you hit it on the head. But I also think, um, you said you know that the big retailers don't feel it. I actually think they are feeling it because it's so bad. Um, I think, you know, obviously they can absorb more hits. They call it shrinkage. It's called shoplifting. Guess what? Um, but, you know, they can maybe take more hits or whatever. But it is so pervasive right now uh, that so many retailers just they're losing so much. At first, they kind of like accounted for X. But now they got to bring in security or close, you know, stores at different hours. They don't want to keep them open late. Um, I mean, it's just or they're worried about what's going to happen with their employees. I mean, that's a scary place to be. And it's gotten so bad that the major retailers 
are also feeling it, and they don't want to do business in some areas. I mean, look in like, um, I think it's Walmart uh, is the one, I believe, that's in San Francisco where they're pulling out. They just, they're like, it's not worth it. You know, it's so bad. I mean, San Francisco, some parts of San Francisco look like a third world nation, you know, and it's so dangerous and it's so bad with the homeless and drugs that it just, it doesn't pay to do business there anymore. How sad is that? What a sad place we've come to. 1-800-848-9222. And we'll continue your calls after the break. It's the Rita Cosby Show. And sadly, many people are getting away from big cities across America as they are falling apart and riddled with crime. And when retailers and individuals try to stand up uh, or try to defend themselves, they get thrown in jail. Uh, And that's what happened in this case of the CVS pharmacy clerk. Let's see what the video is. Uh, But according to his story, he was just defending himself from a homeless guy who robbed over and over again and just suddenly came over and started attacking him. So what, he was supposed to not do anything? 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to line five. Let's go to Russell. Russell, your thoughts. Hey, maybe there's hope that Jose Alba will be returned to New York to face a grand jury because he stabbed someone to death for a shove. Right, Rita? Uh, actually, that's not correct, Russ. I remember that you've got your, like, uh, you know, I know you, you see something different than what most people see in that videotape. The guy was a big guy. He goes behind the counter. He's going in his space. That's not even the, it's not like a customers are supposed to go behind the counter. He was pushing him and the other person had a knife. So, I mean, what, he's supposed to not do anything, Russ? I mean, that's not true. Russ he did not have a knife. I, I I didn't Rita. say I didn't say he did. I said the other woman who was also attacking him, she was pulling she was stabbing him and then when he pushed back, then what? That he's not supposed to do that. He's not supposed to defend himself for us. The guy was a really big guy. If you see the videotape, he came into his space and he was clearly being extremely aggressive on him. Uh I know you think uh, in a in a la la land, you're supposed to just sit there and and you know I guess uh, at the funeral you're supposed to say God I should have defended myself. If only had defended myself, maybe I wouldn't be having a funeral today. I guess that's the way world works under you. What a crazy world you live in. But I love you all. Have a great weekend, everybody. Stay safe and enjoy yourself. <laughs> 